You're listening to SCGA Off the Hosel, the official podcast of the South Carolina Golf Association. Here are your hosts, Alan Knight and Biff Lathrop. Hey, and welcome back to SCGA Off the Hosel, the official podcast of the South Carolina Golf Association. My name is Alan Knight, and I am joined by Biff Lathrop, the executive director here. Biff, how are you? I'm doing great, AK. Good to see you. Good to be back and uh, getting ready for our, our second episode of 2023. I know, man. Unbelievable. I love it. It's moving on. Moving on. Yep. Um, things are continuing to move on for the Golf Association and the Junior Golf Association. We've... Uh, had a couple events since we last got together. We had a our junior our golf association went down to Sea Pines and had our junior heritage. Always a treat going there. Man, it's a great place. And you know, we fought some serious weather in the past. We actually had some halfway decent weather this time. Yeah. Uh, especially on Harbor Town, they always get hammered on on the second day at Harbor Town. But um, yes, hey, well, the day first day isn't that easy usually right. either. So for those of you who don't know, we go down to Sea Pines and we take it's a junior event. Um, it's open to uh, not, not just South Carolina kids, but but all around the regional areas. Um, and we play Atlantic Dunes on Saturday, and then the kids get to go over and play Harbor Town on Sunday, yep. which is what a treat that is. Um, had a great event again. Weather uh, cooperated this year, and uh, when it was all said and done. Uh, Miss Mary Miller out of Savannah, Georgia, won the girls' division with, listen to this, AK, 69-72. Yeah. 141. That's strong. Six-shot victory over our girls' player of the year, Madison Messimer. Okay. Uh, so, as our, our South Carolina representative, came in second there. Yeah, good for her. And then the boys, um, young man from Thomasville, Georgia, uh, shot 70-69. John Daniel Colbreth, 70-69, uh, 139 for a three-shot victory. And uh, our, our top representative from South Carolina was Mr. Tip Price. Uh, shot him a little 69 at Harbortown to get into the top five. Good for him. Good playing, Tip. Yep, yep. It was good. And, and amazingly, while that was going on, just up the coast, uh, we had our junior crowd was at Fripp Island for, yep. the, for the Players Series. Yes, it was. Uh, second year we've been to Fripp. And, they, they, man, they've been so good at us. Beaufort Charities, and they bring in the kids, and they, they give them lunch, and they take care of them. And, and they just really enjoy having them around. It's, it's, right. it's nice to go somewhere where you want it, you know. Yep. Um, again, same type of weather for them. Uh, and the girls from Charleston, South Carolina, Miss Akira Sanchez, okay. uh, shot 75-83, 158. She took a one-shot victory. And also from Charleston, South Carolina, in the boys' division, Ryan Bozard, 72-67. Wow. 139 for a six-shot victory. So, uh, again, that player series is rocking and rolling. We've got another one coming up here uh, this well, when this comes out, actually, the President's Day, we're gonna be yeah. at, we're gonna be at Darlington. <laughs> Man, he got a, I think I think Michael told me they had 120 kids sign up for that one day at Darlington. That's awesome. So I got to make an admission real quick. So I was checking the social media, and I saw the picture from the Fripp Island event, and I thought it just. I knew the Junior Heritage was going on. I didn't look at the difference, and I was like, "Man, scores are high at the Junior Heritage. Are they? They must have it tough." And then I realized I was looking at the wrong event. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was set up a little bit tough uh, at Fripp, um, but you know those kids get out there and they make it happen. So well, good, yeah, good for just them. from the quality of field, does that sea pines? Right. I was like, "Man, they must have yeah. it. Conditions must be rough." Yeah. Um, so we. We went, you know, while, while we were down there in that area, the Fripp and Sea Pines area, we, we decided to go ahead and have a 40-plus event down the road right there in the <laughs> in the Bluffton area, I guess. Um, uh, on February the 7th, that Monday, we were at Riverton Point Golf and Country Club. Nice. Um, and a uh, fairly new facility. Uh, first time we'd been there. Uh, had, a, had a great event, and uh, I think all the guys enjoyed the, the rounds around there. Um, 
In the Super Senior Division, we had Robin Alley shot a two-under par 70 for a one-shot victory. And then in the Seniors Division, uh, Eddie Hargett, imagine yeah, that. I know. <laughs> minus five, 67 for Eddie. And then in the Tournament Division, we actually had a tie um, at 73. Mr. Jonathan Moulin and Scott Sullivan okay. uh, tied tied for first there at, at uh, Riverton Point. So, yeah. Um, Second 40-plus series of the year, and uh, we got a couple more ahead of us, so we're looking forward to getting those going. I like those a lot. Yeah, they're good. I think everybody enjoys them. So, uh, you know, all in all, for, for since the last time we got together, we've run three events, and we've got a couple more coming up. Uh, we'll be at the Morgan Lucas. will be February the 25th and 26th at Chanticleer. Yep, great golf course. Yep, great great, great weekend there. They do a good job at Greenville Country Club crowd. And then yep. – uh, boy, the the one probably one of the biggest events we do field size. Uh, we're, we've got a hundred teams. Uh, the Partners Championship, March the fourth and fifth, will be at Spring Valley, and where it all began back in nineteen ninety three. The first Partners Championship was held at Northwoods at the time. Yes, good. We're going back. It's going to be our second course spur the spur at Northwoods yeah, now. That's awesome. So we're we've come full circle, right, right where we started. So um, yeah. Looking forward to getting those events. And then as this comes out, I will be up in Greensboro um, supporting our Allied Association of Carolinas PGA. They have their super show Yes, up there. Um, we got a big dinner on Sunday night, uh, their awards banquet on Sunday night. And then we'll be in the booths on Monday and Tuesday shaking hands and saying hello to all of our good friends out there. You're going to be there with – the WSCGA and the CGA, all y'all. Yeah, we all get together. We share. We share. We we rent. Actually, rent three booths. Yeah. And put them together. Yeah. And um, you know, it's one of those. It's one of those seminars where or conferences where the, the the Carolina PGA guys go and do their educational during part of the day, then they come out and there's a big trade show that goes yeah. on, and so we put our booths together and come together as as a group and and sit there and shake hands and let everybody know how much we appreciate them and we've got our gas department which handles all of our gin yeah. information they're back there working tournament software and handicap software trying to help these pros uh educate them and get them where they need need to know to do their job properly i'll say my first ever interaction maybe first few with scj was back when the show was at myrtle beach and i got to i was riding home with you and hap yeah. i'd ridden down there with clem and seeing what y'all do in that booth answering questions getting people straight and you're like you say shaking hands be making deals so like we need a tournament here and they'd love to have you yep, type, you know yep. so. well it's just a great opportunity to get everybody in one spot uh when it was in myrtle beach we had probably a few more south carolina folks that would come yeah. Green, greensboro can be a hall for some folks but yeah. um it, it's it's a good two days uh in the, in the carolinas pga jeff abbott and his team do such a great job up there it's really really fun to be a part of so yeah um, but I'm excited about this episode we got coming Are you? out. Yeah, man. This Mr. Is Jeffrey S. Cannell. Jeffrey S. Cannell, our president, SCGA president. And yeah. um, he's got a – you might want to take a little more time for this one. He's got a lot of information to give, but there's a lot going on in this yeah. world. And, and there's some good stories in here. There's some great stories. Uh, we had a good sit down, and uh, it was really neat to hear all the individuals that have made such a difference in, in SCGA, but golf his golf industry itself, and, yeah. and Jeff being one of those individuals. So, yeah. um, hope everybody enjoys the listen, and uh, we will hopefully get to talk to you soon. Together, the South Carolina Golf Association, the South Carolina Junior Golf Association, and the South Carolina Junior Golf Foundation strive to promote, preserve, and grow the game of golf in South Carolina. Through a combined effort, each association and the foundation work to support amateur golf, junior golf, and grow the game's initiatives throughout the state of South Carolina. Be sure to follow all three organizations on our social media handles for the latest and greatest updates and news. 
The MySCGA app is also a great way for all members to post scores, follow live scoring at SCGA Major Championships, and stay updated on all things SCGA. To follow live scoring of the SCJGA events, download the SCJGA app. We are lucky to be joined now by the current SCGA president, Mr. Jeffrey Cannell. Jeff, how are you? I'm good, Alan. Biff, thank you all so much for having me. Looking forward to uh, telling some old stories. Alan, you and I go uh, back a long time when I think you were 14 or 15 years old at Florence Country Club. Not quite that young, but I definitely, you and I go back a long, long way. You were probably one of the first few people I met in the golf industry. Yeah, I was 25 when I took the job there, so it was... um, you were, I think, definitely in high school. I was 18. I just graduated. Okay. Literally just graduated high school. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Because for Florence County, that's a big yeah. accomplishment. I got a diploma and everything. <laughs> but. Let's go ahead and get this out of the way for all of our listeners, too. Now, Jeffrey Cannell has been a friend of ours in the golf industry for years and years, and superintendent been looked up to, but he is now currently in his second year as president of the South Carolina Golf Association. Extremely incredible honor. I mean, it's, it's just amazing to have – Come here at age 25, not being from South Carolina, and introduced to the game. I mean, I'd been a superintendent or an assistant superintendent for three years, and I was fortunate enough to meet uh, Chuck Green at Florence Country Club by just absolute pure accident. I thought you were Chuck Green for my first few months at Florence Country Club. I did. <laughs> Poor Chuck. Well, that that might have been because of the case he he would mow the putting green in 18 and go to lunch. So that would probably explain a whole lot. But no, that that guy is incredible, and then that experience is incredible. And I and I draw back on that and the people that I've met. It's funny how you know life is full circle all the time, and you all can relate to those stories. But Paul Davis was a college or a high school kid then i think maybe he's your age maybe paul t paul t davis yeah, yeah. junior yes yeah. yeah so we used to play golf with his dad who was a a board member at florence country club a, a active leader a, past president a surgeon of the a past president um jimmy finkley um, yeah. you know it's amazing the history that could go on and on and on about florence but i was dropped in there at age 25 um by absolute chance and here i am today and a lot of those people that started me off when I was 25 years old actually are around today and they, and they really mentored and gave me a chance. It was cool. Let's get back to the beginning. Let's, yeah. where, where was Jeffrey S. Cannell born? I'm born in Bowling Green, Kentucky, home of the Corvette Museum or Western Kentucky University. So, and then I, uh, my parents migrated back over to central Kentucky. So I was born and raised in, Vers- or raised in Versailles, Kentucky, right outside of Lexington. Is that horse country? It is. It's yeah. right next to the horse track. That was my deal when there wasn't sports going on. We'd get out of school at 2.30 in the afternoon and bust our butts over to the horse track and catch the last four races. Nice. 16, 17, 18-year-old kids. So that was, that, was, that was really cool. Did you play golf? I did not. Um, My grandfather, my paternal grandfather, was a great golfer. He was a doctor in Indianapolis. Matter of fact, he was a club championship club champion at Indianapolis Country Club back in 1966, which is really cool. Man, Um, and he tried to introduce us to the game, but I played football and I wrestled. Um, You know, just brute brute sports. That was that was what my skills were. Right, Um, and those were great opportunities because I learned and met a lot of people there, and that's carried on those high school sports. And I wrestled one year in college. Um, has taught me how to be a good superintendent, teamwork, um, discipline, um, those kind of things. It's, it's kind of cool. It kind of correlates and works together. What was college? Where did that? Where was that? I went to one year at Urbana University. Nice. Um, Spell I, that. U R B A N A. Urbana. Yep, it's right outside of Springfield, Ohio, between Columbus and Dayton, kind of. Okay. So I had actually graduated high school, and uh, I wrestled in high school for three years. Had a 
decent career. Um, enjoyed it. I wrestled 188. So obviously, <laughs> things have changed. It was a while, <laughs> but um, yeah, we we all grow as yes, we get we older <laughs> in many ways. But um, I was sitting there that summer. My golf co- or my uh, wrestling coach called me and says, "Hey man, you wanna you wanna go wrestle in college?" I was like, "No, nah, not really." He goes, "Well, there's a school that's willing to offer three of you guys that wrestle together wow. an opportunity. They have three open spots, and one of them is you know I wrestled 180." And 188 in high school and college. Wow. So um, I went and I enjoyed it. It was awesome. Um, so I did that for a year and that was about enough for me. Right. I was like, you know, I need to go find something else to do. Getting up at 4.30 in the morning and, you know, running three miles is just not exactly what I had planned. Right. Yeah. You still get up early in the morning. but Yeah. I do, but I don't run. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> so I look, I look like the golf pro from the ca- Cracker Barrel now. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in wrestling shape. So after that. Is that how'd you get into how'd you get into what you're doing now? The agronomy. So I studied landscape architecture at the University of Kentucky um, and did that for four years, um, getting ready to graduate. And everybody coming back from the program was coming back, going to graduate school. Oh, you got to go to graduate school if you're going to be successful in this business. I'm like, I've been to school for six years, man. My parents and they were beyond nice to satisfy and and help me do that. And um, but it got to the point where. It's time for you to move on. Right. What was um, your major? Because there's not a turf. School. No, I was I was a landscape architecture student. It was a select group. They took 20 kids every year. Okay. Matter of fact, Rob Strobel was in my class. And oh Rob wow! Yeah. Went on being yeah, golf. Yeah. He followed me down to South Carolina and was yeah. had his own success in the golf business over at Country Club of South Carolina. Yeah. But he was in my class together, so yeah. we made that relationship. We worked together at the Champions Golf Course. So. It was the 90s, late 80s and 90s. Golf was just a boom. Yep. You know, you go to the bank, as you heard of some of the stories from Myrtle Beach, Gary Shaw told, you know, go to the bank and say, hey, can I get $3 million? And I'm like, yeah, no problem. We're, you want you're going to build a golf course? And yeah, you want five? And <laughs> so when can I come get a check? So well, we put it in your bank account. It's, it's ready it's for there. you to get going. That that was golf. Did, and you, did you do agronomy school? I did. I okay. ended up finishing up. I went to Eastern Kentucky and got a degree in horticulture. Two-year degree? Two-year degree in yeah. horticulture. But it only took me a semester. I already had everything. And right. I mean, I basically was done. So I did that, and I fell into an internship over at the Champions Golf Course. Um, did that for about six months. The assistant left. That's a very nice place in Kentucky, correct? It is. They have the Barbasol there now. Yeah. Um, really cool. And the kid that interned for me, Carl Gray, is now the superintendent there. And a young man that I played football with at the university or at uh, in Versailles in high school owns it. So it's man, talk wow. about circles. I mean, it's really cool. So and those guys are extremely successful. They brought a PGA event to town. You know, because Valhalla's there, and there's a lot of nice golf courses in Kentucky. But it's really neat to see that they've done something special with that and continue to do it. It's unfortunately in July, and it seems like they get a rainstorm every year yeah. that they have it. But I think it's opposite of the British Open. And it's a really cool group of people that don't get seen on the PGA Tour every single week. So so that was straight out of agronomy school? Straight out, six months, did an internship. The assistant left. I was offered the assistant's position. And then we're hosting the NCAA tournament. So yeah. I got to host the NCAA tournament. That's when David Duvall walks in with uh, Mr. Uh, Blackman. And David's oh, got wow. these – Oakley sunglasses on. This was for NIL, but you could tell, you know, he had some kind of a deal going on. <laughs> and he was the, obviously, odds-on favorite. Yeah. Um, we had rain that week, and he was tied going into 18 and bogeyed 18. And Todd Dempsey ended up winning from the University of Florida. The team won. 
from the University of Florida that year, which is really cool. Duvall ended up coming in second, moving on and going on to have his phenomenal sure. Hall of Fame career. Yeah. But uh, that was cool. And then we did the senior amateur the next year, which was great. I got to work with Tom Meeks, learn how to set up a golf course. And, and I was hooked at that point in time. It yeah. was just cool. It was a high-end golf course bent from tee to green. And, I mean, it was, it, was, it was really neat. It was a great experience. No syringing then that time of the year. No, we had to hand water a little bit um, from if, time to time. But in Kentucky, you get basically a month worth of stuff. So, yeah, that was my uh, introduction to bent grass. But if you say you're bent grass tee to green, right, there at but Champions? It, yes. You would only have to – oh, sorry. You would only have to surrender the greens. Is the fairway – since it's so tall of grass, well, it doesn't have to – Well, sometimes we'd have to do a little bit of water, depending yeah. on how bad the heat and humidity got. But it just was – for a very short period of time. And most of the stuff there grew almost year-round, so I had a different root system. Right, right. right. Um, what it, is, it was made for. That's that's the grass that it called for to, to have there. So how did you end up from there to Florence Country Club? Well, so I'm 23, 24, 25 years old, and I got a Toro salesman, um, Billy Cross. He goes, so, so what are you going to do? I mean, where are you going to go from here? And I said, man, I don't know. You know, there's two or three good jobs, and they seem to all be taken. Um, a lot of the kids that I went to school with at Eastern, they were all Valhalla guys. Uh, Mark Wilson was the superintendent there, and he had his stream of people there. So he goes, man, if you're going to be successful in this business, you got to leave Kentucky and go somewhere where it's warm. So okay, so what's your suggestion? He says, well, how about South Carolina? He goes, I went to school with a guy. I played golf in, at University of Virginia with this guy. Smitty, Eric Smith, was yeah. a golf pro at Florence yeah. Country Club. So Maryland, Eric played at Maryland. Maryland, okay, yeah. that's where they were. And um, Fred said, Funk was on that team. Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. See, that's your lineage over there at the Florence Country Club, <laughs> all the people that went on. That's, I had Eric Smith's Rolodex one time after Eric left, and I found Fred Funk's phone number in there and decided to call the house number from the golf shop. And he was leading the tournament and it was in his hometown wherever that tournament was it might have been the one we're talking about and I definitely got chicken and said is Eric there and wrong number and hung up <laughs> what do you think you were going to say when he, if you had- I don't know I was 19 or 20 I was stupid you yeah, would have been the 40 year old Alan it would have been a heck of a conversation yeah, it, yeah, it would have been he'd like, have been sitting here instead of me today 40 year old young and stupid <laughs> true true I wasn't going to go into the, the, the details it's just an age thing so they told you Eric Smith yep and uh, Eric said look let me uh, call Eric. Eric said, you need to get in touch with our superintendent, Chuck. He was about ready to be the president of the Carolina Superintendents Association. And that might have been all Eric really knew about Chuck, other than Chuck was fun to hang out with, play golf with, and do fun things right, with. Right, right. Um, so professionally, I mean, it was kind of a weird deal. Well, so I send Chuck my resume, and as luck would have it, his assistant of six years had just left a week or two prior. Huh. So he said, man, let me fly you down. Come take a look at what's going on. So I fly down. This is August, and it's warm in Kentucky. But it's hotter than hell in Florence, South sure. Carolina. So, I mean, I get off this little plane. I got a sport coat on. I mean, I'm sweating. I go to the golf course. Chuck picks me up in his, in his open-air Jeep, drives me to the golf course. We start riding around, and, and he's got three greens that are just dead. I'm like, what have I gotten into here? We drive over to the maintenance shop, and, I mean, it's a metal building that's dilapidated. The equipment's got flat tires. I mean, the whole thing. I was like, what have I done? This is – this isn't what I was signed up for. I mean, I come from a high-end private golf course yeah. to, okay, this is great, and I'm sweating to death. So Chuck and I have a great time together. We have a good talk. We got to dinner that night, and we actually he was dating Lynn Franken at the yeah. time. Yeah. And um, God bless Lynn. She's passed on since, but had a great time at dinner. Right. Chuck puts me up in a hotel on Irby Street. 
didn't sleep all night long. Gets up five o'clock in the morning. I catch the next flight out. Didn't hear from him for a week. Finally, he calls me and says, "Hey, man, I'd like to make you an offer. You'd like to come here." And I'm thinking, "God, I wish he never would have called. <laughs> I don't know how to answer these questions." Yeah. But I was 25, and I needed an opportunity. And and his personality, and he sold it. All the things around him, for him to be successful with all the things that I saw. Greens yeah. are dying in September, a shop that was hard to work out of, equipment that didn't look like he had a whole lot to work with, and he's still doing these things. He's going to be president of the Carolinas Superintendent Association. And I accepted it, and two weeks later I drove into town and had a big time. What? So let's back up. You met Michelle, your wife. We actually went to high school together. Okay. We went to high school together, um, dated off and on through college. Right. And um, I, I went – and we were dating at the time. I picked up and left. I, I needed to worry about what I wanted to do. Yeah, to, to Florence. I wanted to. I wanted to make something of my life, and I enjoyed golf. And this was going to be a cool opportunity. Okay, I I, I just now remembered being at your wedding. Y'all did get married in Florence. So we did. That I was, was gonna, uh, three years later, ninety eight. Okay, so it wasn't a big decision. You didn't have to talk her into coming at first. Well, I don't know if she really knew. She was a year behind me, so she was a year behind me in college. So she had just kind of started working a little bit right. and trying to figure out who she was. Um, once we moved to Florence, and she came maybe two, three months after I moved, um, we bought a house, yeah. had a dog. Greg Avenue, right? Greg Avenue, yeah. right down from the Circle Fountain. Yes. Walking distance to the coolest bar in town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was that was neat. But uh, met so many great people there, and they took us under their wing. You know, it's – you and I have talked a bunch about golf and yep. how golf is a lifestyle and a career, and, and it is for you and I. Obviously, yep. we, we eat off of our paychecks that we earn in golf, but the people in golf at Florence might be the coolest golf people you ever met. They just took Michelle and under her wings as young professionals and said, we want you to be successful. What can we do to help you? you know, we did things with those people. They introduced us to things, and we never played golf with them. It wasn't about playing golf. It right. was about – their success and the town's success. That's when we rebuilt the the, the clubhouse. So they yeah. tore the old clubhouse down. We rebuilt it while I was there. Let's spend a minute on Florence Country Club. If you, is that all right with you? Buddy? Oh, I love Florence Country Club. We can spend all day we can on We spend it. an hour on so, Florence Country Club. It's impressive. You're going to actually clear some things up for me 25 years later. Chuck Green used to bring this dog, Ginger, and he would drop her off at the putt green, and Chuck would drive his beat-up old truck and go do whatever Chuck did, and Ginger would gingerly walk along. Ginger was an old dog. <laughs> But that wasn't even Chuck's dog. It was Miss Aerosmith's dog, and I don't know the exact relationship, but her husband had passed away some years back, and I think that was Chuck's dog, and she used to walk the dog all the time, or it was her dog. And But, yes, Chuck would get up, and I lived with Chuck the first two months I yeah. was there. Yeah. Um, he goes, just just stay with me, which was an experience so of its own. So does you know, Well, yeah, well, Bob Boyd <laughs> used to come back and yeah. visit, and Smitty, and he used to have <laughs> Thursday night football games, and, you know, it was just, you know. Yeah, good, good, good stuff. But yes, Chuck um, would go get Ginger every day and let her run on the golf course, and then take her back over to Miss Errol Smith's about ten or eleven o'clock. And this is a story I don't remember this guy, but you've told me this story, and I think it's a great one, Doctor Bozard. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know we were going to use his name, but okay. You know, Florence is a unique piece of property. It's 96 acres. It's a little square right there in the middle of town. Yeah, yeah. I lived probably two miles from the golf course. I'd drive my Jeep over to work, and I'd get there early to make sure, you know, you do what you need to do to take care of bent grass, especially in the summertime. And Chuck and I would sometimes have a few beverages, you know, go on down the road, and I'd get out there one morning. It's about 4.30 in the morning, and I'm driving my Jeep around, got the headlights on, and all of a sudden I see an 
a naked man jumped behind a tree. And I went, hmm, man, I got to stop drinking. This isn't good. This is bad. I'm going to get fired. I had not been here that long. So I eat it. I don't say anything. Well, real funny story is Ben Ziegler's mother and father lived on the fourth green yep. back there, yep. the fourth tee. Where all those flowers are. The That's roses. exactly right. Yeah. Beautiful estate. Yeah. Um, but what, a, what a neat story. His dad ran for Senate in like 1968. They're, they're really cool people. But okay. his mom walked the dogs on the golf course every single day. So she and I – Create a relationship. Great person, talk to every day. We're sitting there talking one day, and she goes, Jeff, can I ask you something? I said, well, yes, ma'am, go ahead. She goes, have you ever seen Dr. Bozard naked on the golf course? <laughs> I didn't really know how to answer, but I'm like, yes, ma'am, you have too. She goes, oh, my God, would you go tell my husband because he doesn't believe me. He thinks I'm crazy. I go, well, I'm afraid to tell Chuck because I'm going to get fired. So now we had this little core group that we, you know, we, we had the goods on him. But, you know, this was the strangest thing. This guy was an orthopedic foot surgeon. He would walk the fairways in a T-shirt and a pair of gym shorts, barefooted, every morning. And he'd walk a straight line. And then he'd come back a foot over. Then he'd go back another foot over. And he'd fill the fairway full of his footsteps. And that was his goal. He's doing art in the dude. It's unbelievable. But sometimes when it was really hot, He'd do it in the nude. Oh, and you can wow. see his clothes hanging up in a tree, and you might catch him on the other end of the fairway, and he's darting around. I'm like, all right, I got him now. His clothes are over here. Wow. So finally I had enough gall to go finally approach Chuck on. He goes, oh, heck, man, he's been doing that for years. What are you worried about? And I'm like, dude, man, I thought I had an issue. Miss Ziegler's all upset about it. I'm upset about it now. Now we got a real story. So you talk about weird things that happen in golf. I mean, there, there's one that's at that's, the top of the list. Yep. That's interesting. All right. I apologize to Beth for indulging me here on this Florence Country Club. Let's fly, baby. I love it. This is a story. When I was a cart kid, you and Chuck allowed me to help one day with air flying. Okay? Air flying (laughs) overseas. And basically, I was mostly just pushing a snow shovel, picking up cores. But Jeff did let me – they let me seed a green. And so he gave me a a seeder and some bags, and I had to do 11 and 17. And so I ran out – I don't know, Jeff put the seed in a container for me. And I ran out. So I just took it upon myself to dump more seed in there. But what I didn't know is that Penn State University had come up with new pin cross. Uh, A1. A1. A1 bent grass. Yep. And then y'all were doing pin cross, right? Yep. You were comparing the they two. They were pin cross greens, and we were trying to intercede in to try to change things. 11 and 17. You know there's two greens right beside yep. each other. Yep. And so I tell, I come back, and Jeff goes, hold on, you didn't put this seed in that thing, did you? I said, yeah. He goes, don't tell Chuck. Like, <laughs> There's so many don't tell Chuck stories there, you know. And you're 25 and you're 26, and you're trying to be an adamant professional, and you're learning every single day from him. But well, you looked out for me. I appreciate it. Well, I, and 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 we all deserve that because yeah. Chuck Beyond takes his job more serious than just about anybody around, and he and he's so good at what he does. But he was huge on the experimental stuff when guys had like new fungicides. Bruce Martin, the PD Research Center is over in Darlington, right around yep. the corner, Clint, yep. and uh, Doctor Pittner. Yeah, was a member of Florence Country Club, and the the facility's named after him in Clemson. And um, is this they a, would bring like a bottle of something as X two point four dash three, and you're like, Chuck, what's that? He goes, I don't know, but we're gonna go find out. So <laughs> we take it and we go spray a green or two with it within what we were doing, and we go from there. Well, we finally got to the point one day where they'd given us enough to spray like eighteen holes, and then Chuck, in his infinite wisdom, and I still hadn't figured all this out at the end of the day. I'm in the business, so I have a sprayer that sprays 18 holes. I calibrated it to work that way. Kind of makes sense. Chuck's 
sprayer sprayed 15 holes and you filled back up and did the other three. <laughs> we won't go there. He had his reasons, and, and, and it all works out at the end of the day. Well, I ran out on half of 15 one day spraying, go back, fill up, spray 16, 17, 18. I never go back and spray the other half mm. of 15. Well, all of a sudden, half of 15 looks really good and the other half doesn't. He goes, man, what do you think happened over there? I was like, I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> man, it's weird stuff, you know. Maybe we watered it better or something. I mean, I, I really don't know. So, finally had to fess up on that, too. I was like, Chuck, I only sprayed half of it. He said, well, man, look look, look what happened. You know, that the other half that you didn't spray is dying, and the half that you sprayed is, is good. That stuff works. So, X14-34 is a success. We don't even know what it is. We have to give it back. Turns out that's heritage fungicide. Well, Larry Feller was bringing that. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is one of the mainstays in the industry. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, Chuck was big on all that stuff, and Bruce Martin so trusted Chuck on trying different things. And Bruce is a you know staple in our industry and a huge success. But those are the kinds of things that went on at Florence Country Club. And I'll, and I'll tell one more Florence Country Club story. Ben Van, who worked for me during the yeah. summer times, uh, came down a couple summers to work, and we always kind of joked around and did stuff. So if you take a big two and a half gallon jug and you're spraying something like Roundup or whatever, we'd sit there and dump it over and it'd go glue, glue, glue. Stop. So we had this thing calibrated out that three gluck glucks was like 32 ounces. You know, it's just stupid <laughs> kid stuff that you want to try to figure out because sometimes it gets a little boring and repetitive. So one day Ben's spraying something, round up or something. It's not greens, but Chuck goes, Ben, what you doing? He goes, I'm spraying such and such. He goes, well, how much did you put in there? He goes, I put three gluck glucks in there, Chuck. <laughs> and you can hear not radio silence. You're hearing static and all these explicitives. And, I mean, Chuck runs up. At that point in time, we'd all kind of got together, and he goes, Explain to me what a gluck gluck is. I go, well, Chuck, you know, if you take that bottle and turn it up real fast like that, it goes gluck, gluck. So he got so mad. He gets red. He's been out of shape. I mean, he's got a set of scales over there. I thought he was a drug dealer when I first met him. I mean, he's measuring out every single ounce of everything that we do. That's great. And we could prove to him that three gluck glucks at the right angle and the right material was 32 ounces. So we had that. We won that argument, but we didn't really win. But it was just the kind of fun stuff you did as an intern and, and – professional assistant right. at that point in time but you learn to have fun you learn, you learn. And you're having and fun and if you don't make work a little bit fun in those circumstances seven days a week yep. with grass dying you know it you got to make it a little bit fun so it was all good but what a great place and what a great group of people and the successes that they've enjoyed over the years has been nothing but the true um, testament of the leadership in that community because they've been through their ups and downs you know they've no, created no junior programs they've hired man six or seven superintendents since Chuck's been there. Yep. One of them is Keith Woods, who's gone on to be at, at Quail Hollow. Yep. Um, I remember Sonny Slaughter picked up the phone and called me one day, and he goes, hey, I'm going to hire this guy. What do you think? And I go, please, you're crazy not to hire this guy. Then, yeah. he, then he went on to Sedgefield. Then he went on to Quail Hollow. Right. Um, but a phenomenal, phenomenal yeah. guy. The, well, the, the whole the whole town, the golf course, I, mean, I tell you, know, Florence Country Club could be club of the year almost every year if we wanted to. I mean, they, they do so much for – our junior program for the Golf Association, I mean, they host an event every year. The Harry Wilson is there every year, and then they do other things on top of that. So, I mean, it's just a, it's a great place. It's Steve, an amazing it's community. It, I always call it the you know the biggest little town in America. You know, for a little small town, they're right there on the interstate. But, man, they're, they're, they're the real deal. It's impressive. So where 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 did you go from Florence? Because you were there for a few years. And then I was there for a little over two years, and um, – I'd met so many people coming in and out of Chuck's place that played golf, that traveled around, that he grew up playing golf with, the David Dupree's, the Chip Preziosos, Paul Jets. I mean, they would always come in and they'd go do things. Well, this big redheaded guy comes riding in in his Lexus one day, and I'm in the 
irrigation pond in the middle of the summer fixing the intake, diving down, trying to get that thing squared away, and Dupree rolls up. He goes, you can get out of the water, big guy. He goes, you're mine now. He goes, we just got rid of our superintendent, and you're my new guy. And I went, wow, what an opportunity. I'm going to be going to Columbia Country Club. Never been there before. you know. Um, so I went on to a wedding. Like a week later, I was supposed to have an interview. Come back, I'd been gone for four or five days. I said, Chuck, when's my interview at Columbia Country Club? He goes, well, there's been a change of plans. Well, what's the plans? Well, you're going to go interview at Northwoods because I think I'm going to take the job at Columbia Country Club. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Yeah. What's Northwoods? He said, well, you got an interview tomorrow. The guy's name is Greg McBride. So I go over there and get there early in the morning before the sun comes up. I drive over to, to uh, Columbia. I walk the golf course kind of in the dark when the sun's coming up. I've never been there. I wanted to be able to know something. Meet Greg, have a great time. The golf course wasn't in great shape. I mean, it had been through some financial stuff. Their superintendent had just passed away, unfortunately. This was late in the summer, early in the fall. Um, J.R. Raines was his name, I believe. Um, passed away at the football game. Mm -hmm. Had a great time with Greg. Drive back. Chuck goes, what do you think? I said, no way. Ain't no way. I'd only worked at private golf courses. I'd never really worked at a public golf course, and it was in bad shape. I just didn't have that vision. So Chuck goes, sitting in his office that afternoon, and the phone rings. Yeah. Oh, man, he loved it. Give him a call. Make him an offer. Go, Who was that? He goes, Greg. I go, Chuck, I'm not going. I'm going to be honest with you. That, that's not me. Greg calls me. This is the day of fax. Fax machines, 1996, 97, somewhere right in there. Greg calls me up that night and says, hey, man, write everything down that would take for us to hire you. Chuck goes, just write it down and go through the – just – Shut up, you know. Yeah. I'm 13 years older than you, and you need to listen to what I'm telling you at this point in time. Yes, sir. So I write down everything. I'm making $26,000 a year. So I write down like $55,000 a year, a truck, insurance, all these things that go with it. Fax it over. And before that fax hits, it dings and comes back with an okay Greg McBride check mark on it. And I went, now what do I do, Chuck? You know, you're the, you're the genius here. He goes, well, you're going to take the job. We're going to move to Columbia. We're going to have a great time. I said, okay, sounds good to me. Chuck turns in his resignation. I get ready to go start over at Northwoods. Steve Bear comes to me. He says, hey, man, we'd like to make you an offer. We'd love for you to stay here at Florence Country Club. I'm like, man, this is getting complicated. And this is one of those situations where you're like, man, do I go tell Chuck? You know, it's right. not like the naked guy walking on the golf course. It's kind of like might be taking your job. Right. So I get enough gall up that night. I go over to Chuck's house. And after a few drinks, I say, hey, man, um, you know, they want me to take your job. They what? They what? And I go, yeah, they want me to take your job. And, you know, Chuck made more than $55,000 a year. So I'm going from – I've almost tripled my salary in a 10-day period of time. Life's good. Right. You know, Michelle and I don't do all that well. We're young 20-something-year-old kids trying to figure this out. I'm like, man, I've, I've hit the jackpot. So time moves on, a day or so, and finally I just look at Michelle and I go, we're going to move to Columbia. That's not the right thing to do. There's a management company over there at the time. We just rebuilt the – the clubhouse, you could see some of the political strife and things going on. And, you know, even though the guys that had control of it for years, the Jimmy Finkleys and the Doc Davises and the people that really cared, the Billy Hawks, yeah. it's a committee. So it goes where it goes. You know, right. we've, we've seen that so many times with golf courses. So I went to Northwoods, and, and be honest with you, it's the two years that I learned more than I've ever learned in the entire industry.
of doing this. And that, and that's rebuilding Columbia Country Club. That's redoing all the things because Greg taught me business. Greg taught me how to run an operation, not just the golf side of it, the maintenance side of it, the pro shop. He'd let me work the restaurant. He'd let me work the counter. I mean, so I got to see so much. I got to understand that there might be a budget of a half a million dollars, but we only really made 400 this year, so where are you going to come up with the other 100? Yeah. So Greg was a phenomenal teacher when I was 26, 27 years old and just really made me understand business, and that was really cool. So I, I thank him to this day, although I did see the story that he told and ratted me out about the airification. So <laughs> I don't have any bad stories to tell about Greg. Uh, I'm, I'm going to keep a good with Greg. Y'all have to go back in the archives and pull up Greg McBride's podcast yeah. from back, in, I think it was in December, so you need to check that out. That one's on our social media, on your social media platforms, okay. actually, that little snippet. There so. you go. Well, and he's phenomenal. I mean, at the end of the day, the things that he's given back to golf – his son was 10, 11, 12 years old when I worked for him. Michelle and I used to go watch him play baseball. Yeah. I mean, phenomenal athlete. The things that Greg, Greg gave back, um, his dad was phenomenal. His uncle was phenomenal. So I got to meet the whole family. Right. Um, my friends that I've met today, Trey Candy married Greg's sister, sister. Mary, yep. who's one of my best friends today that I spend a ton of time with hunting. Yep. So. Those circles again, golf. You know, it's, it's it's cool how that relationship works. Why don't you tell a story real quick about Sam Fryer when he worked for you at Northwoods and almost ended his life? He did. Um, he was spraying one day, and uh, the 14th hole over at Northwoods has got these huge bounds over there because PB Dye always thought that it was cool to do you know stuff that's just not normal. <laughs> and um, Sam's up there on top of one of these hills trying to spray and flips the sprayer into the bunker. And I mean, how he didn't die is absolutely amazing. Yeah. But I don't think I ever heard that. I didn't know that yeah. story. Phenomenal yeah. young man. I mean, he, Sam's a little bit younger than me. I've actually coached his kids in baseball and we spent some time together. But just another example, and I'll plug the superintendents right now, but so many guys in my profession are so good at what they do. And then he's one of them. Everywhere he's been, he's been successful. And it's because he's a hard worker. I mean, he just gets out there and does it every day. He, he, I worked with him at Florence, but it must have been after your time. I did not work with him at Florence. I know he yeah. went over to Florence. He showed up one day. His dad was maybe the operator of the fire academy or something. Yeah. And his dad would bring him to work every single day. That's cool. Um, and, and he would work. He'd work his tail off. Um, great young man, great success story. He's gone on to do great things. And he, full circle again, he's yep, back over at, 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 right. at Columbia Country Club doing a great job. Well, that's where we're going next is Columbia. So Chuck obviously took that job. He did. Let me back. I got one okay. Northwood story that's yeah. absolutely fabulous. And I got to tell on George Rogers because this the people that I met over at, at, at Northwoods were a cast of characters, to say the least. They, you know, huge gambling, huge golf, yeah. a lot of fun. Um, the, the heyday of golf, the 1998-99 so the Gamecocks won one football game in two years, so golf was pretty popular. Lou Holtz area, yeah. Yeah. So I'm working behind the counter one day, and George comes in. And I'd played some golf with George, and he'd always call you pro. Hey, pro, what you doing? So I'm working the counter today, George. He goes, hey. He sticks his hand out. He goes, here, hold this for me. And I have no idea what he's got in his hands. I mean, it looks like a five-gallon bucket coming at you. Yeah. And he drops into my hand a Heisman ring and a Super Bowl ring. He goes, right. would you mind putting those in the cash register while I play? That way I won't lose them. <laughs> we don't have cell phones at that time. You can't take a picture. You can't, right. you know, selfie it up. Hey, man, look yeah. at me. You know, yeah. I'm at a big time. That's the kind of stuff that, you know, 
26, 27 year old kid I'm, I'm getting exposed to. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is. And cool. honestly, I didn't even know who George Rogers really was till I came here. And you know, you realize what kind of a legend yeah. that he is. But he ton of fun, a lot of fun to be around. He's been at our Monday after the Masters yep. stuff. I mean, he has his tournament out at the fort with all his celebrities. I mean, he's just he, he's a cast of characters to start with. Quick George Rogers story. So when I first moved to Columbia, uh, he came out to Columbia Country Club for some reason and. For a, turn, a Monday outing, and and I got him to sign a license plate for Cody Hennett, big you know, Florence Country Club, huge Gamecock fan. So George signs it. George Rogers go Gamecocks, and he says, "Hold on, let me look at that." And he forgot to put a second C in Cox. It was C O K S, so he had to go like put another C in there. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, oh, Chuck man. Chuck Green, he's a character, gets the call to leave Columbia to go build Sage Valley. He does. Chuck went over for a little over a year at Columbia Country Club. Really got them a business plan and had them understand that they could do better with the resources that they had there in place. Yeah. Um, I think at that point in time, they were trying to pass a renovation project, yeah. and it didn't go over. Um, I don't know how much involved he was of that. Um, but, yes, he got the phone call to go over to Sage Valley, and he accepted that. I remember riding over there and riding the golf course with him and Mr. Townsend before any of the Force was cleared, and they had PVC pipes in the woods. And, wow. And it was, it was incredible to go watch that process over time. Did um, you have to apply for a Columbia job, or was it pretty much Dupree said you're it? Well, you know, it, 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 politics and golf is politics and golf, but David and Chip were the, the puppets behind the, 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 the counter. David there. Dupree and Chip, Chip Prezioso. Prezioso. Yep. They, you know, they, were, they were the guy behind the curtain. You know, Bill Hart was a huge, you know, leader over there. He ran, you know, the stuff over at uh, Fairfield Electric. So he was, he's a, their he was buddy. a community lever. I mean, he was their buddy. Whatever they said, he would he go. He was. Over. So those guys, their their famous deal was we're a whole lot more powerful off the board than we are on the board. <laughs> and, you know, one of Chip's favorite quotes, I love this, he looked at Dude one day. He goes, Dude, you need to get in there and you need to make that happen. And he goes, well, I just don't feel like doing it. He goes, as hard as it is for you to open your mouth, it's that hard for me to keep mine shut. And I went, that's a pretty good comment. I, I remember Whoa. stuff like that. But those two guys were born and raised out there. Yeah. You know, their parents were members of the original club back over at the Ridge, Ridgeview, Ridgewood, Ridge, Ridgewood Country Club. Ridgewood Club over yeah. on Monticello Road. Right. Came over there in the late 50s, helped build the golf course. They worked for Terry. They'd water Walter Odeon, all of those guys. I mean, yeah. it was a cast of characters. And poor old Charlie Prince had to raise those kids, you know. Right. I mean, they were just, you know, renegades. Yeah. But um, they learned how to play the game, and they and they loved the game, and they loved their club. They did. And it meant a lot for them to have an opportunity to put it back on the map, if you will. Well, and that's when they redid the greens not long after you came. They did. Um, that was one of the things that Brad Roby had left Florence Country Club and was our general manager, and Clem King was there as the golf pro. Yeah. And the three of us sat down and said, how do we get in front of the membership and sell this project? And we got in front of the membership and sold a $2 million renovation project when they impressive. didn't have $2 million. Well, when you were getting each member to come out of their pocket, 1500 well, it was $5,400. It was $5,400 oh, $5, a person. However, they broke that down financially or whatever. But we spent $2 million, and we did it over two years. We did nine holes at a time. That way we always kept 18 holes open, which was a challenge within itself. But I'm 29, 30 years old. Hey, here's $2 million to go rebuild this golf course. You know, I had confidence within myself that I could do it. But, you know, behind the scenes, I mean, I'm calling Chucks and everybody that Chuck's been nice enough to introduce me yeah. to. We had a great architect, Mike Gleason. Here's a real funny story. So we sit down. We've got this committee table like this. Mike Gleason comes in. He puts these drawings on the wall, and we're going to go over, and we're going to figure out what we're going to do to renovate the golf course. Four hours into hole number one, oh, no. everybody's got an opinion on where the fairway bunker ought to be and how big the green ought to be, and we got nowhere. So we 
folded that back up, said, Mike, you handle it, bring it back, we'll go from there. We pitched the project, we rebuilt the golf courses, new grass, yeah. learning curves, phenomenal. Turned out absolutely great. Um, I, I couldn't have asked for any more. It was, it was a cool opportunity at a young age to – prove yourself and take that opportunity and, and have fun. And you, you and I had a little fun with it yeah, in 04 when, absolutely. you know, those guys asked, say, hey, oh, yeah. can, can we have the state am in 04? We rebuilt it in 01, and we'd done a few things. I think we did the state junior prior to that, yeah. uh, the year prior. And um, that was pretty cool. That was that was a great opportunity. It was really my first opportunity because you'd moved on from junior stuff. You were, you know, running big boy so one my, golf tournaments. One of my first – it was my second amateur I'd run by myself, yeah. Yeah. So we only had to ask permission one time to screw it up, but that was okay. <laughs> we, we had it. Uh, it was right. That's the one where you told them not to water the greens or no. Not that's, to... that's when I finally on Saturday we quit stemping. We, we yeah. quit stemping because they had gotten so fast. They're, they're they're the color of my sheet here, and um, which is off white. And uh, I was like Jeff, just just a, just a drop of water on yeah. Saturday afternoon. And I, we Alex Hamilton won that year. Yeah, Alex Hamilton won that year. The only person under par, but one of my. Fond memories is Bubba Hightower coming to me, and I don't even know who Bubba Hightower is. Right. I mean, he comes, and he's not exactly nice about it, but maybe that was some of his personality and persona because he was obviously, one, you know, a huge uh, yeah. person in golf. But he goes, young man, these things roll better than my hardwood foolish. Congratulations. <laughs> As he didn't make the cut or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, uh, it, it was really neat. It was good. And, but I, I got to reflect on the things that I had done, the NCAA tournament the men's senior amateur. I got to apply those drew. kind of things. I drew from yeah, that on yeah. how to take care of it. And honestly, we had a staff that was phenomenal. Bobby Simpson, our mechanic at the, yeah. that point in time, was huge into learning the engineering and the, the mechanics. Yeah, because yeah. we had a very brand-new grass. So yeah. it had a lot of potential in it. I mean, it was <laughs> it had some competitive opportunities. You know, so when you talk about Bobby Simpson, you talk about someone that is just absolutely – the most dedicated, loyal person that I've had around me for 25 years. You know, high school educated, but yet in his own way, in so many ways, the smartest guy that we all know, the things that he's been able to do. He was the mechanic at Columbia Country Club when I first met him. He followed me over to Fort Jackson. Now he's actually my golf course superintendent at Fort Jackson since I've had the opportunity to move forward a little bit in the business side of that. He runs 36 holes. So we still do it together, but it's so nice to have someone standing there by your side to look at it and make decisions every day. He's ahead of me on most of those decisions, but he still kind of includes me to help him make those decisions. But that's the true meaning of success is when you can bond with other people and do those things together, and he's certainly a prime example of one of those. I think when I still play at Columbia Country Club, I feel like they're still the new greens, but I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about twenty year old twenty year old Tiff Eagle. And I was like, "Well, Columbia's twenty year old Tiff Eagle now too. They're not so it is. new. It's twenty two years old and it's still in phenomenal shape. Sam does a great job of taking yeah. care of it. And they were built right, and we built those things almost out of pure sand. So the first few years were a little bit of a struggle. Um, that's where it we, was for everybody learning that new grass. So it wasn't just you. It was, but we were one of the first ones to get it. Yeah. Um, and then we tried some different chemicals and mechanisms to get ourselves to a certain point. Didn't you go to South America to learn diseases about that grass? I did. I was fortunate enough to work with Alejandro, who yeah. got his uh, master's and PhD from Clemson. Yeah. And he was doing studies on spring dead spot. And what was cool is his seasons are opposite of ours. So he was kind of doubling up as time would go on to, to learn things quickly. So, huh. um, and as things happen, you have to be 
there to solve problems. Right. Um, I got a phone call one day from Danny Malone, used to be the superintendent at Berkeley Hall, um, legendary guy, been around for a long time, came from Mississippi, actually was the first one to encourage me to paint my greens and not overseed in 01, which was a big deal. I mean, mm-hmm. that had never been done before. I remember that. And um, we sprayed a product called Primo. It's a growth regulator to help shrink the grass a little bit. And Squirrel, who's one of our salesmen, his parents were members there at Columbia Country Club, the Schultz family. Yeah. And uh, he said, man, you need to go see Jeff. He's got this program down. It's, it's pretty cool. His greens are really, really sporty. So Danny would call, and i go, yeah, I'm spraying X, Y, and Z. And he goes, man, there's no way. That's just, you know, that's off the chart. I said, Danny, I'm just, I'm, I'm telling you. One morning he shows up at 6.30 in the morning from Hilton Head at Columbia Country Club with plugs from his putting green. He takes them and puts them on my putting green, picks it up, says, take me to my truck. I go, you want to talk about it? He goes, nope, I've seen all I need to see. You weren't lying. <laughs> and he drove back to Hilton Head, but he just – didn't realize, and I learned that from Northwoods where we had a, an older grass, a dwarf grass, yeah. and we started spraying Primo on it and learning how to manipulate it and get green speeds and things that you right. could do that weren't the norm. So, And that's the networking. That's what's cool about superintendents, sharing ideas, oh, yeah. advancing quickly instead of learning on your own. But now that's a normal practice is using oh, that. That's a huge practice, yeah. and, and these guys are so good at it. I mean, you, you look at all the golf tournaments that are on the PGA Tour, and you know, I think – they love bent. Don't get me wrong. It's pure. Right. There's nothing better than bent grass. But day in and day out, I mean, look at the scores of the last two, three weeks at, in Hawaii. That's not bent grass. That's Bermuda. Right. And those guys are shooting seven, eight under every day. We well, don't shoot seven or eight under by hitting the ball 300 yards. They're rolling the rock, and they're rolling it in the hole because that putt looks like it's a one ball out to the left. It's one ball out to the right. left. And those guys are so talented that they're, they're just pure. So our profession has come a long way. The conditions on golf courses are just incredible. Clem King, you spend a lot of time in the trenches with him, huh? I still do. Um, yeah. We're actually members over at Wood Creek. Um, right. We joined over there after Harold Pickerel bought it in '19 and done such a great job with it. You know, we're yeah. so proud to be to be over there. But Clem, uh, whether it's his last hurrah or what, I mean, I, you know, Clem's already 90 to 100 years old, um, so <laughs> he, he's been around forever. But he's phenomenal, um, uh, no doubt. He brought me in when I was at Northwoods and he was at Columbia, gave me advice. I always wanted you to be successful. It's been there at every corner. Um, he stood behind it during the renovation. I mean, he was kind of the point man and, you know, Clem's a little bit tight for anybody that doesn't know that. So we, we'd go out and measure cart paths and, you know, cart paths are eight foot wide, four inches deep, concrete cost X. So you could get so many feet and we'd go measure it. So, I'd go down through there and I'd start running the wheel and, you know, kind of cheated a little bit, cheated a little bit. And he'd come back three weeks later and he goes, how'd that cart path get another hundred yards down the road? I was like, you know, I think that wheel was broke maybe when we were doing wow. this. Wow. You had to do things like that. He's a golf pro, so we always tease each other. I mean, he, he always teases me. He goes, you know, when I come back, he goes, I want to be a part-time superintendent like you. You know, you like the superintendent's reserve. You work one weekend a month, you know. But Clem's, in my opinion, sometimes his own worst enemy. He loves working. He loves yeah. being around people. He and Tom Mason probably two of the better golf pros, and we're fortunate to have them here in Columbia. They're, yeah. they're both incredible individuals. Yeah, they both they are both very hard workers. So no I'm doubt. working the U.S. Open in 2005 Pinehurst. Pine, at Pinehurst, and my phone's blowing up. It's Clem. I'm not answering. I'm in, I'm working vacation. So finally, the end of the day, I call him and I go, "Man, what's so important?" He goes, "I just want to let you know I resigned today." And I went, "Great, that's awesome." I'd only work Clem was not only the golf pros, the general manager. Clem was not only that. 
Clem was just rock solid. Nobody got in your way. He let you do your job, which was great. You know, they hired me at Columbia Country Club. I got to rebuild the golf course for almost the whole run. No one got in my way. Yeah. Do here's a dollar. Go give us a dollar's worth of results, and we did. And no one ever questioned anything. And a lot of that was because I worked for Clem King. I worked for Chris Sparrow. I worked for the people that would run interference and say, hey, Jeff knows what he's doing. You know, right. we were a pretty cool triangle. We tried to support each other. And when you do that, it's hard for that other outside committee group or whatever to kind of pierce that when you hire professionals and let them do their job. And, yep. and they did that for a long time out there, and, and it was great. We had a good time. All right, I don't want to go too much further without talking about decoy. And I know that's not <laughs> on your list, but uh, there was a picture I took. Uh, very young Jeff Cannell standing sitting there with decoy, and then I also have a picture of Chaney when he was born with your grandfather. Yep, sitting in a cart outside. Sitting the, in a cart outside the maintenance shop or yeah, whatever. Outside the golf shop. Yeah. Um, talk to us about your grandparents and, and decoy and all that. Yeah, I am so blessed to have had two great parents that um, did a great job of raising me and my brother. Um, we're both, you know productive citizens right. and uh i guess that's how you judge being a good parent <laughs> your brother um, scott yeah my brother scott he still lives in in our hometown um great young man got a great family but um my parents were phenomenal always supported everything i did showed up to all my wrestling matches all my football stuff you know made sure my brother and i went to school we got through school which wasn't necessarily easy we are canal boys so i mean there was a lot of you know whippings along the way or things like that right but um and my grandparents were just amazing my dad's father was a navy uh officer was that in world war ii that's dusty but, but you gave me pictures one time with kennedy in it wasn't that you so he was in the navy and then he went and served at the naval ordnance station and worked for a long time then he became an engineer they lived in mississippi right. with nasa yeah. And he helped build the first test facility down on the Pearl River down in Mississippi and assemble the Apollo and help put the first man on the moon. And I knew all that growing up and had all this stuff and all these pictures, and it meant something. I got his hard hat and my, my at the at the farm. Yeah. It says NASA on it and his ID. When you know It looks like mine, except it doesn't have a computer chip in the bottom of it. Um, but, yes, he helped put the first man on the moon. He's got pictures with all the original seven astronauts. Um, he's got pictures wow. with uh, Kennedy and Lyndon Bain Johnson. It's just really cool. Um, I actually have the sequence to start. Apollo is a book. Wow. It's pretty cool. So Jeff gave me some memorabilia for Columbia Country Club that he had, and this stuff was in there. Well, maybe it's for an article we were doing with Trent. But you put that stuff in my hands, and I did not feel comfortable with it. I, was, <laughs> sure. I wanted to get it back to him as it quick was, as I could. It was really cool, and he was such a neat guy. He introduced me to you know everything that he possibly could. He'd come down and stay with Michelle and I for weeks at a time, and that's um, why he was pretty old when I took the picture I'm referencing. And yeah, he was in his late eighties. Yeah, he was so, in his but he's 80s. still getting around pretty good. He could do it. You know, yeah. he died when he was ninety one. He just he ran out of time. You yeah, know? Um, but uh, an amazing individual. Been so blessed to have grown up with grandparents. Which yeah, is very special. Sure, because um, they're not your parents. Right, <laughs> right. And 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 ours were unique. So I, I I'm very blessed with that. But so one thing we have to touch on while you're here is clubs for kids and how you've impacted it, basically behind the scenes. So when I started here, clubs for kids was a program we would do. We would set up and. Kids would come to the driving range, and we give them one golf club. Then we kind of morphed that into every kid that showed up got a golf club. Morphed that into you show up to the office, and we would give you a set, maybe a skip set. Always used, always cut down. 
Sometimes it had a bag, sometimes it didn't. But I guess after Papa Ed passed away, and we'll get to who he is in a second, your family stepped forward. Kind of, you sponsored the Caddy Classic, but more importantly, you gave at the beginning 30 sets a year, brand new Wilsons in the box. Uh, tell me how that came to on your end. Well, honestly, it was unfortunate. You know, Papa Ed did pass away in, in 2016 or 17. And he was just a big giver. He loved the game of golf. He loved giving. And that all stemmed from he was the commander at the American Legion in Greenwood, Indiana. And he had a program called Clothes for Kids. And every year around Christmas time, um, those guys would raise money and go find kids that uh, didn't have the opportunity to get what they wanted or for their family what they wanted for Christmas. And they would go to the J.C. Penney on Sunday before they opened at 1 o'clock, right. and he'd take them shopping. Yeah. And they'd have, you know, $50, $100, whatever per kid, and they'd go and they'd shop. And I just thought that was one of the neatest things, to touch kids. So the natural progression with him loving the game of golf was the opportunity of watching us give kids clubs because we did bunches and bunches and bunches of them. Yeah. But being new sets where they were weighted right, you know, they were fit to your height. You yeah. know? So the the kid, the clubs for kids things kind of neat. They're all in different colored boxes according yeah. to your height. Um, and, and that's really neat. So I assume that you all have some kind of a measuring stick on the wall where you just butt them up against the back of the wall, figure out their height, and go get them a set of clubs. We certainly did. And, and it was different. Uh, you know, you would sometimes you get a, a nice little set of tailor-made, but they would be heavy. And their stiff shafts cut down made it even stiffer. Sometimes you didn't get a bag. These are brand new in the plastic. You're unwrapping plastic. And as anybody knows, that's a thrill knowing you're the first one. So kudos to y'all. Uh, and the first, I remember the first Caddy Classic where you were sponsored at Wildwood, your mom came and we did a little presentation there at the school board. Uh, we did. We did that quite often. Then we took it up to Lancaster for a couple years in a row. But mom would come down in March. Um, you know, we, it was a little easier for us. Cheney was playing junior golf, so he was playing in those events. And right. it was in March, and that was his birthday. But she would come, and then she, you know, Justin was nice enough to recognize her in public. And it was also great to get the pictures as we started giving clubs away, you know, at whatever day um, th- there. She also did it for the Indiana Golf Association, which is pretty neat. They have a summer camp. They had a dormitory. Actually, she lives at the Hall of Fame in Indiana at the Legends Golf Course. So, wow. Um, it was right out her back door. I didn't but know they that. have a camp area there where they have dormitories, and the kids come in at certain ages and certain uh, weeks, and they, she'd have the sets there as they came in, and it was there in person when they got the clubs because I don't think she's ever actually seen wow. a kid get a set of clubs here in South Carolina. Right, So right. That, it's it's been – her way to give back and her way to grieve, and it's just so proud to see that we have been able to impact people. And I, I can say as one who did give away those clubs, even though the pictures are nice, it does not convey the joy of the kid while you're there. So, uh, And plus, I also want to say you and I will really never know the residual effects that this program has uh, because the kids – I see some kids who 10 years ago were just just a kid playing junior golf, and now you see how they're influencing other kids for the better. So – Kudos to y'all for that. But um, you're now the president of the SCGA, and that's why you're here. It's a presidential episode. Do you have any uh, – I mean, is there a goal for you? You've got another year left, almost a year, less than a year. What Have you tried not to mess up the ship? Have you tried to implement a certain program? What, tell me about your presidency. Well, I love being involved. We've got 18 other people in that room that are just incredible people within their own communities that give back those stories – 
hopefully are out there and people are recognizing them. But they've all been on board to continue to grow junior golf. We've done the player series, which has been an absolutely huge success. I think this is going to be our second full year of doing it. Uh, we did the um, uh, Fripp Island thing the other day with over yeah. 84 kids in there. So it's a continued success. We're doing it every single month. That's great. I'd love to see us grow the Clubs for Kids thing. Biff and I have really uh, talked about that, and I think that's going to expand. I think the more that people know that that's there, yeah. you know, we'd love to see this in, in the wrecks <laughs> in certain you. counties, you know, where people understood our club. You know, we used to sponsor and give scholarships for the summer programs yeah. for kids, and I think that's good. But if we gave those clubs 10 sets of club with those golf clubs those those country clubs yeah. 10 sets of uh, golf clubs for kids what would that impact well they you know? want to sell golf clubs though they well do. that's when you started last i, I kind of giggle when you said more clubs i was like well you're going to outfit every kid gets a new set each year wouldn't that be a great goal <laughs> it would be so you know they're not making those kids don't have any money to join the clubs but you sit there and you look at florence country club how many kids do they have in their junior program? You know, I guarantee you they would have given every one of those kids a set of clubs if they would have known those parents were going to join the facility. So that's True. growing it from the bottom up. Yep. Um, another goal that I have is continue to expose women's golf. Yeah. I, I think that the Carolinas does a really good job. We've been to their banquet the last couple of years. Uh, last year it was focused on Jensen Castle and the other three girls that played in the Curtis Cup. You know, Jensen won the amateur. And for the whole state to be celebrating what women are doing in the idea and realm of golf, I mean, it's, it's, it's powerful. And I'd love to see us do that a little bit more in South Carolina. You know, we have a Women's Golf Association, and they do great on their own. But they kind of keep it within their own realm. So it would be nice for us to expose that to the full body of golf within the state. Yeah, like you said off air, that you could have their player of the year out of your, ceremony, your, player, your annual meeting. You know. We do. You know, once again, we do a great job with juniors, boys and girls. That's something we run through the Junior Golf Association. But we don't do anything with regular women's golf or the senior golfer of the year. And that would be nice to recognize the ladies yeah. golfer of the year, the ladies senior golfer of the year yeah. when we do our Hall of Fame so they can get notoriety. You know, this last year we just had the Hall of Fame here with Sherry Turner. And, yeah. you know, I know Charlie and Todd were great inductees, but Sherry Turner was just absolutely impressive. And there, within all of our body, they got to see success at the women's level. So expose it. Let, let people see that and celebrate what women are doing. You talk about decoy. That was, that was my first dog that when I left to come to South Carolina, I left the dog with Michelle. She's like, what do you want me to do with the dog? I'm like, well, baby, I gotta, I, I'm going to do a job. You're going to have to watch the dog. Well, this dog was like an escape artist. I mean, it was just some amazing stuff. But she could climb trees. She could do all kinds of things. It was a yellow lab, but she did everything. She lived to be 14 or 15 years old. And um, but you had her at Florence for a little while, didn't you? Had her at Florence. Had her at Northwoods. Took her to work every day with me. Took her to work every day with me at Columbia. And if I didn't, when she got older, we lived right across the street from the maintenance shop. She'd walk over to the maintenance <laughs> shop. Bobby goes, uh, your dog's here. I was like, okay. That's good, so, though. When it came time for Decoy to to move on, yeah. the lady came to the house and put the dog to sleep at the house because I told her, I said, I'm going to bury the dog over at the golf course. So in an emotional state, I take the backhoe out, and I go dig a hole to bury the dog on the eighth hole at Columbia Country Club sitting up on the hill. And oh, she yeah. used to sit up there and kind of just lay that. there. When, when if I was mowing greens or doing something, she'd watch you. So it's, she was smart yeah. enough not to chase the machine from one end to the other. She'd figured that out over time. Huh. 
So the lady puts the dog to sleep, bring her from the house over to the golf course. Man, I'm in tears. I mean, yeah. I drive her out there, got her wrapped up, put her in the hole, taking a shovel and I'm filling it in. And I hear over my shoulder, you want some help? I look back and it's Bobby. And I go, yeah, I dug this hole too big, man. I can't fill it in. So he comes over and helps me. He realized I, I had a, car, a hole big enough to bury a golf cart in. I, I mean, it was a 40-pound dog. I mean, so I had made a huge mistake at that point in time. So that, That's you know, funny, man. You go back to Columbia Country Club, funny stuff. My phone rings at 4.35 o'clock one morning. It's David Dupree. Hey, man, what's up? He's crying. I'm like, everything okay? He goes, yeah, the dog died. And I go, man, Mitzi? I'm sorry, sorry to hear that. Missy. Missy. Missy, yeah. He lived on the 24th hole, 25th hole on tee box. So, will you come bury the dog? I was like, yeah, man, I'll come bury the dog. So, let the sun come up. I drive up in his backyard with a backhoe. <laughs> he goes nuts on me. What are you doing? I said, I'm going to bury your dog. He goes, with that? And I go, you want me to use a shovel? <laughs> so, you know, we got over that. But, you know, he's teased me to, 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 till the day he died about, you know, burying his dog and digging a hole in the backyard with a daggone backhoe. That's too funny, man. It was. And then and if you know Do and Chip, the last two decades have been that way. Right. I mean, it's just humor. It's yeah. just one thing after another. Uh, but the, the good stuff. I mean, that's yeah. what makes life go on. Do was always one of my favorites, man. So how did you go from – I know how you went, but let's talk about <laughs> – Fort Jackson. I went peacefully. You did go peacefully. I did go peacefully. Didn't make anybody mad at all. And it's just part of the game. You know, anybody that's done this business for long enough for what we do, whether you're a golf pro or a superintendent or a general manager, um, you know, you got 300 members, you got 300 opinions. It's Sometimes it's not easy. And I always say there's a born-on date. You know, it's about 10 years at a golf course. You know, you at 10 years, you should probably find something else to do or somewhere else to do it. That's Kind of the rule of thumb. If you go back and talk to everybody in their collective stories, that's just kind of where it, where it runs out. And my born-on date at Columbia had, had hit its deal. And uh, Mr. Casto had asked me to come out and take a look at the golf course and said that Jimmy was going to be moving on. And yeah. I did. And, you know, I, I weighed my options with having two kids and involved with playing baseball with them and other things. And, you know, this is the one thing that got me and I live to it to this day. And everybody ridicules me over because they think it's funny. But. It's a 40-hour-a-week job. Right. And I look at Mike and I go, excuse me? He goes, it's a 40-hour-a-week job. I go, that's impossible. It's two golf courses. You can't do it in 40 hours. He goes, well, you better figure it out. Well, I did. Yeah. And I've done okay. So, well, you know, I'm not going to argue with it. I can't do, do we mention we're at Fort Jackson now, which is yeah. obviously the, the big base Correct. here in Columbia and federally funded, and, and that's why it's 40 hours. Well, it's just their rules. And, and – you know, Bobby came over from Columbia Country Club. He's not the mechanic anymore. He's the he's the superintendent technically. He's now that Mike's left. I've had the opportunity to step into the You're business down. manager role. So I'm kind of doing two roles, yeah. which I enjoy. I mean, I love the business part of it, as we discussed at Northwoods. But I was 20 something years old. Now that I've seen it, it's a cool opportunity. I remember when the I heard you were thinking about taking a job, and I said, "There's no way Jeff's going to leave a nice private 27 old facility to go to work at a not a public course." And then perception. And then you said, um, it's a government, the government benefits and the government job and all that. And, and it was 09, so obviously we had a downturn, and you could see that coming at Columbia. I mean, there was just no light at the end of that tunnel. I was like, man, where <laughs> is this going? This isn't good. And I said I had two young kids, and I wanted that opportunity to spend time with them. Um, and honestly, it was broke, so I took the job at Northwoods. It was broke, fixed it. Took the job at Columbia Country Club. It wasn't broke, but it was outdated. Yep. Fixed it. Fort Jackson, broke fixed it so that's kind of my story if you will 
it's nice being able to have tools to work with, projects at hand, and things that you can actually fix. Because yeah. people go, man, he knows what he's doing. He's fixing stuff. <laughs> it was broke. You know? yeah, I hear you. Sometimes keeping good things is a little harder than fixing broke stuff. So yeah. I've, I've been fortunate in that manner. But I, it's been great. I've enjoyed the clientele over there. Our members are absolutely fabulous. Most of them have served our country. Most of them are retired. Most of them just want to enjoy a golf course. So we got grass on everything, and that's the kind of the big requirement. <laughs> well, and, uh, you know, and a big part of that too is you you've been you've stepped up. Uh, you and Fort Jackson stepped up and you know hosted a lot of our junior events out there, our, our Players Day series, and and um, it's been good. It's been it's been beneficial for us to have a place we know we can go if we ever need one. Well, and we enjoy having everybody, but it's a really easy sale to the higher ups that are above me. I'm like, we have open tee times. We need to fill them. We have two golf courses, so that that's absolutely been fabulous. So, yeah. and it's been a great learning experience. In 2015, we had this big flood around Columbia, and it took out my irrigation pond. So we wake up one morning, and all of a sudden, life's not as good as we thought right. we had it. I can't irrigate the golf course. So I had to go out and do some engineering and make that work. And that was a three-, four-year process, and we lost some grass along the way yep. in the summer and in the winter. And we're finally – it's rebuilt. We're finally back to where we need to be, and, and it's enjoyable. And then, of course, we had the, the pandemic, which kept us closed two days a week because our job is to graduate soldiers. So we have 55,000 kids coming through there a year with family days. So on family days, they close the golf course and the whole fort down on Wednesdays and Thursdays, which ran a lot of our clientele off. People sure. want to be able to play golf, especially retirees. You, yeah. you can close on Saturdays and Sundays if you want. <laughs> don't, don't take Monday through Friday. Well, didn't you all didn't you have to close a lot of your facilities even when the golf course was open? I mean, they were tailgating in the, in the parking lot Oh, sometimes. yeah, that's <laughs> one of my favorite things ever is you look out in the parking lot and all these guys are out there with their chairs and their cooler and they're drinking beer because we closed the cafe and we wouldn't let people in the clubhouse. But that shows you the huh. what golf is. Yeah. You know, yeah. Golf is four hours with your friends, and then when they get done, those guys are like, Hey, I got a cooler in the back of the truck. We'll sit out there. You should drive Mike crazy. Those guys that pop top and leave a bottle caps out there. He's out there picking up bottles and bottle caps and yep. you know getting upset about it. And I mean, I get it, but at the end of the day, you look at it. That's really cool. How many? That's really cool. How many soldiers go through Fort Jackson a year? Do you know that number? We graduate a, a, an average of fifty-five thousand soldiers a year. Fifty-five. 000. It's unbelievable. So yeah. it, it, there's a graduation every week. Yeah. There's over a thousand every single week. Wow. Um, and it's 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 interesting that's to say crazy. the least. But you know, you see them out there running and doing their things. All the stuff you talked earlier yeah. about, all the the banging booms. and yeah, the the yeah. guns and the booms, and it's just a different world. But it's a cool world, and, and we really enjoy it. And we've got a great staff out there and a great group of people that support what we do. All right, I'm going to throw some names at you, and let's just talk about them real quick. David Tuttle, <laughs> good dude. Met him met him through golf. Um, very successful developer here in town, became a, a real good friend of mine and um, supports his kids play junior golf yeah. and ours do. And just an amazing guy that I never would had a chance to meet if it wasn't for Chip and David introduced right. me to David Tuttle, who has been a big part of my life. Just, just a great individual who grew up playing golf under Grant Bennett. His family lived over here right. in Irmo. They picked up moved to Wildwood where Grant was the golf pro so David could take golf lessons. Wow. That's yeah. and listen to those stories. You see all the stories from Full him circle. In, the, in the 70s, 80s, somewhere in there. I guess he's a few years older than me, five or six. But, you know, the John Stockton short shorts and the yeah. big collared shirt standing <laughs> next to, you know, Grant with his, with his, with his uh, trophies and stuff is really neat. That's cool. So we already mentioned Harold Pickerel. Harold is just uh, – 
become a real good friend of, of the associations. I mean, he's a doer, very successful developer. Um, bought the golf course out at Wood Creek in, in 2019 out of foreclosure. You talk about a passion. He, he loves it. I yeah. mean, you know, and, and he grew up playing a lot of golf with Bobby Hathaway yep. and a lot of those folks back in uh, in the day in, in our events. But what he's done out there is created a vision. We call it Creek Culture. Yep. Um, yep. And, and he's done such a great job out there and put that place back on the map and has a vision for it to continue to go. So I applaud guys like that that yeah. care about golf enough to, to jump into it, but right. sole proprietor, man, he's he's making these things happen. He doesn't have to ask anybody's permission. He does. He's, he's doing it. He'll yeah. pull the trigger. Oh, he'll pull the trigger quick. Oh, he's <laughs> pulling the trigger. Yeah, yeah. he's done. He's a ready fire. Job. He's he's a fire aim guy. I yeah. think my favorite trigger I've heard him pull was when he got rid of the fireplace in the middle <laughs> on a it was during in the clubhouse. Yeah, we, yeah. But uh, they were gonna have a WSCGA. Clarissa was having a one day event, and Clem's like, "Can we wait till tomorrow? Do you mind if we wait till <laughs> nope. tomorrow?" Uh, he gets an idea. He's gonna do it. But he's done such a great job with that out there in the. Membership is great. You know, Cheney and I joined when he bought it, and Cheney was a junior golfer. And during COVID, he learned to play golf out there with a lot of the adults, and and those people took him under his wing. And that's always going to be special to me is is the group of people and and how they do that. So many more stories again wow. of how golf and communities take kids under their wings and make them successful. Well, I'm going I'm to talk about Cheney real quick. Great young man. Uh, all your kids are great, great kids. Jeff used to put Cheney in the Northwoods dogfight to go teach him how to play better. And then, so I asked this summer, I called, I called Jeff. I said, Hey, is Cheney going to play in the city? He goes, he's living in California right now, working on a golf course for Ben, who we mentioned earlier. And yep. I was like, man, you kick him out the nest. Real quick, <laughs> don't you? No, Ben called me one day. He goes, I'm applying for the job at the Thunderbird. He'd been in Palm Springs for almost 20 years at three different golf courses. And it's kind of the national progression out there. The Thunderbird hosted the 1955 Ryder cup. I didn't know things like that. He said, I'm going to apply for this job. Well, he gets it. And he calls me about a week later. He goes, what's Chaney doing? I go, well, he's just kind of, you know, working for me, working on his golf game, doing some odds and ends for Harold out at, at uh, Wood Creek. Yep. And um, he said, well, send him my way. So I said, Chaney, you want to call Ben and see what's going on? He's only met Ben like two times in his life. So Chaney gets in his car with Rob Strobel's son Vance. three days and drives to Palm Springs and starts working on a construction crew rebuilding this golf course. Is Vance out there too? No, Vance came okay. home okay. after the summer. But uh, Trip Davis rebuilt this golf course this summer, and they opened up at Thanksgiving. I went out there last week after we took our trip, and it is five-star. It is incredible. So proud of what he's doing. He's learning right there on the fly. Enrolled him in a turf school. So, Oh, did you? Yeah, he and I, which he's got some – computer skills i don't have yeah. a lot of we went and bought a printer hooked it up on his app so now he has a little studio desk there in his apartment so he he's in school there he's doing the greenskeeper university um which is based out of um is that Bill maybe Kreutzer? michigan yeah the guy out of um nebraska is the phd that yeah. started the program yeah so he's doing greenskeeper university matter of fact we're sitting there during the national championship game and he goes man i gotta take this pretest." and i go i'm probably not supposed to help you a lot so I'm kind of fixated on the game, but it turned out to not be a game. So he's asking me these questions. So I'm trying to process two things at one time and help him kind of like that's not the right answer and why it wouldn't be that. We get a 76 when it's all said and done. <laughs> and so he goes, is that good or bad? And I go, son, that's passing. So, <laughs> in in Canel's world. Canel kids, you know. Uh. So we tell Ben the next morning and we tell him what we got and he goes, that's a great score. You're good. So, you know, sometimes those superintendents aren't so involved into yeah. the weeds and the grades and things. It's That's the end great. results is what you get great. You're on. right. You're right. So here's a name that we talked about. I didn't. The name sounds familiar. Bob Bell. 
Who was Bob Bell? Bob Bell was the executive vice president of Smith Turf and Irrigation, but he basically ran all of the equipment guys. Okay. And when I'm at Northwoods, well, I'm at, well I meet him at Florence Country Club, but those are guys that were professionals within our industry that are corporate guys yeah. that always reached out, picked up the phone and said, hey, what are you doing to make yourself better? What can we do to help you? Okay. Of course, there was obviously a caveat with that. They're selling equipment. Yeah. They, they want to get your loyalty and stuff. But so many of these people, and Bob's just one of them, but Bob does stick out. He's almost like an adopted father. The things that I needed to learn or if I had business questions or whatever, I could pick up the phone and call Bob and, and learn so much from so much of these guys. George Fisher, another one. Yeah. He'd pick up the phone and go, what are you doing today? You need to be doing something. Right. Don Litchford is another one. Ooh. Don Litchford would come to my office and bring a book, and he goes, we're going to have a quiz next week. I'm like, you know, i got a job. i got other stuff I need to be doing. He'd be back there in the next week, and he'd bring financial sheets. You know how to read a financial sheet? Yes, sir. Well, show me what's going on. And I'd get something wrong. He goes, you don't know how to read a financial sheet. So I'll be back next week, and these are the things you need to work on. And he would do it. Wow. Bob Bell is the same. These guys wanted to see you be successful. Because yeah. you know what? If they made the industry successful, the corporate people are going to be successful. They made us professional. They made us dress right. They provided educational classes. And, and you know, because you're involved with the Superintendent Association. In 20 years, it is light years. Well, yeah. I mean, it's incredible. It went from Carl Spackler to a professional job. Still fun with that guy. And that's what we really are kind of somewhat behind the scenes. But, yes, in public, I think, and in reality, what we provide, so many of these guys could be not necessarily the golf pro because that's not what they desire, but they can be the business managers. They can be the general managers. Oh, yeah. They are doers. You go ask those guys to solve any of their problems, they're going to do it. You set up golf tournaments with them in adverse conditions – Bad conditions on their golf course, possibly, you know. But you know what? They persevere. They get it done for you. They produce a product, and at the end of the day, you can probably sit there and make a list of almost every one you've worked with and go, "Man, these guys are just doers. They oh, get it doubt. done." You know, you got a job to produce a golf tournament, but they got to produce the 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 median for that to be to be played on the court, if you will. Yeah, right. And um, they do, and it's incredible what what they do. Yeah, unbelievable. I feel opposite side of the coin is Chris Miller, though. <laughs> <laughs> Chris isn't calling you and asking what you're doing today. You know, I didn't know who Chris Miller was from Adam, but, you know, as you slowly start hosting state juniors, junior events and things like that, this guy was around, and, and he was the mayor of Junior Golfville. Yeah, yeah. And to watch him take tongue-chewing sometimes from parents like he did, yeah. you know, I can relate because, you know, the water's not cold enough on the water cooler on number three. What a terrible <laughs> pin over there. You caused me yeah. to, you know, shoot 85. It's like, wow, that one hole, that one pin caused an 85. That's great. You're right. But um, I had the ultimate respect for Chris on what he did to help raise successful kids. Yeah. Not just because of golf. Golf was the medium that he had the opportunity to embrace those kids. He taught them life lessons, how to persevere, how to compete, how to deal with your parents sometimes. Right. And he was so good at it. He um, was. And you got to work for him, and Justin yeah. worked for him, and now Justin is a huge success. You're a huge success. So, you know, I think you would probably like him back and go, man, I learned a lot from Oh, Chris. I did. No, I, I and definitely did. And the things you did. can't talk about, you can't talk about, so that's good. No, there's not much we can't talk about with no, Chris. No, Chris but. Miller is just – he's a phenomenal individual, and I just tip my cap to what I saw him do from my 30s and, and watch one of my kids go through junior golf. Yeah. I mean, and that that's not an easy deal. I mean, you, these kids with junior golf, with the traveling, the things that went on, and, you know, Cheney had a small little group that he hung out with. And, man, I'm telling you, what the, the golf course stuff was easy. 
the after hour stuff, keeping them in a hotel and feeding mm-hmm. them and make yeah. sure they're behaving was the was the hard part. Yeah. We uh, I'll tell a real quick Cheney story. I got to tell it on Palmer and Cheney and Elliot and Spencer because we traveled with those families and had a good time. But we go to Irish Creek up in North Carolina to play in the Carolinas um, Junior one year. And um, Tom's not there, so sometimes Tom would take the kids or I would take the kids. Mr. Pope would almost always go. Roger would sometimes allow me to take Spencer. So, you know, when they let me take him, I'm kind of like, y'all really know what you're doing. This might not be the greatest <laughs> idea, but – so we go, so we're up there at a hotel one night, and one of them comes out and goes, Mr. Connell, Mr. Connell, you got to come see what we're doing. This is really cool. So I can hear this commotion. This is a fitness room around the corner. So I walk in there, and these kids have got the treadmill going and one of the luggage carts on the thing, and they're holding it, and they're riding it like a surfboard, and they got that thing on high, and the wheels are humming and all kinds of crazy stuff going on. And I'm like, why me this week? Did y'all do this? Like, who taught right. you? Tom must have taught them that, and I get stuck with it yeah. the following week. Yeah. So there was many of those weeks where I go, I'm not going next week. Y'all are on your own. Your mothers can take you all and deal with this stuff. So a name we won't talk about, Park Soto, Junior Golf. Uh, very special, you know, young man, gone too soon. So Way too soon. We we got to meet the Hutto family through baseball. Um, Parks was about two years older than Chaney and Matthew. And just phenomenal young man. Matter of fact, I took them to the junior uh, deal up in Sherrall one year over at the state park. Fall challenge. Yep. Fall Had challenge. people come and talk and do all kinds of things. And we all stayed in a cabin, and Parks stayed with the younger two. And he looked at me the next morning and goes, Mr. Connell, don't ever do that to me again. <laughs> so, yeah. unfortunate circumstances. Uh, I give Bobby Foster all the credit in the world with his fairway outreach program that he did over there, taught these two young men yeah. how to play golf. Yeah. They were very successful at playing golf. Um, I would have only loved to have seen what Parks would have continued to go on and do, but it's not that way. Uh, we got the uh, the Parks Hutto Junior Invitational in two months over at Florence Country Club or at uh, Columbia Country Club yep. that we have every year in his honor. So they yep. kept that name, the Blythewood Bingle, as the Parks Hutto Blythewood oh, yeah. Bingle. So. Phenomenal young man, but that was those are some tough yeah. months and weeks. We're playing all star baseball when all that happens, and we had to continue to play, and yeah. it was it was it was interesting. It was, but John and Jenny are huge supporters, great people, and those are the relationships that this game has created with us. We've met a lot of great people. Well, even Matthew, I feel like Matthew didn't have a choice, but he came out of a shell. I mean, he was always a quiet kid, just you know, but now he's a great young man. So. He's done very, very well, and golf is the you know catalyst that's given him that opportunity, which we've seen in many, many times. God, he takes a swing at it, too. He can go, man. You, you talk about those kids playing over at Northwoods in the dogfight. Greg calls me one. might have been a Wednesday or Saturday, and he says, hey, man, we got a problem. I said, what's wrong? He goes, we got to move those kids back on the tees. He goes, these guys over here are upset. Matthew just shot 31, and Cheney shot 33 on the front. <laughs> he goes, I think they're going to win the front. I was like, well, make them do something on the back where they don't win the overall or something. I mean, I can't help that. But letting them play from the white tees, you know, and those, yeah. those kids had no fear. I mean, they they can go. It's a different ball game. All right, yeah. I've got one more I'm going to ask you about. I feel like I've hijacked this thing. I want you and Biff talk about some SCGA presidential stuff. But Trent Bouts, and, and before I let you talk to Trent, First time I met Trent, you brought him to play in the Columbia Country Club member guest when you were still superintendent. And then, like most member guests, the carts line 18 green. And then you, <laughs> just about 160 <laughs> out. 
and he airmails it into a golf cart. Like, he hits a windshield and comes back on the green, if I'm not mistaken, or real close to the green. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they made the shootout. Was, we yeah. did. We made the shootout. We ended up coming in second or third that year in the member guest, and that was the last member guest I got to play in at Columbia Country Club. <laughs> you know, I technically had a membership, you know, and, and yeah. sometimes during those days, you know, we had a young crowd out there, right. and, and to fill it up, you know, you needed one more team or whatever. And Trent came to play with me a couple of years in a row, and yeah. we had such a great time. But, yes, one year we, we came in second or third and had a big time. But Trent is one of those guys that has been a game changer in the golf industry, not just the superintendents, but the industry, I believe. Yeah, and I think absolutely. Biff would be on yep. to test of this. But yeah, he does it beyond a great magazine. He gets people to talk. You know, when we first met Trent about 20 years ago, he'd come to Superintendent's Association meetings and – you know, we were all sitting there waiting for somebody to talk. And it's like, why can't you talk? You're a superintendent. You know something. Why don't you get up in front and talk in front of your peers? Really? No? Yeah. Pick somebody else. You know, Trent encouraged that. Trent made that happen. Hey, there's four pages in the back of the magazine. And there's 12 associations. Somebody's going to write a, a little letter and a blip in here on, on what you did. And he made people start doing that and made people start writing. Then all of a sudden, some superintendents realized, hey, man, I got a little bit of a talent. I can write a little bit. They all got great stories to tell. Yeah. Right. So he engaged us as professionals, and I think probably single-handedly, and we've had some great people, Chuck Borman, Tim Krieger, I mean, they all do great jobs. But the things that Trent has done for individuals and their skills to progress them to another, other levels and challenge them, Trent Bouts. What all does he actually do? I know he does He does Biff's Magazine, the South Carolina Golf Association. He does Palmetto Golfer. Palmetto Golfer. He does the Carolinas Green. He does the Florida publications. And yep. I want to say he probably does Georgia. He does Georgia, too. Yeah. So, I mean, he does too much. It's it's unbelievable what he does. He brought you know Shannon, the advertising guy, with us yep. um, to bring us along. But his product, um, the way that it looks, the way that it's written – um, you know, he, he contributes all the way around. And he's one of those global people that says pros need to know what superintendents are doing. Superintendents need to know what managers are doing. Managers need to know what pros are doing. And y'all need to be working together. And and he's been great at that. Yeah. And I wish there was a bigger role for him as an ambassador because he could really put all this stuff in a jar, shake it up, and whatever would come out would be a collaboration of things that yeah. he has that vision for. And yeah. so many do. But – He's unique. He's he, awesome. He also writes for Golf Course Industry. I, I didn't want to leave that one. He out. writes everywhere, and then he, you know, he gets people to do stuff. But he, he's interesting. You know, I have to write an article, being the president, a message. Yeah, and I'll send it to him. My, my joke with Trent over the years has been, "Hey man, I'm gonna submit it in crayon. If you get the pictures and stuff out there and clean it up, that'd be great." And I, I sent my first one over this year, and he goes, "Wow, did you do that?" And I'm like, "Yeah." He goes. That's a big improvement. That really looks good. You know, okay, thank you. I have so much respect for him. I didn't want to go, hey, man, screw you. What yeah. about the, he, Trent's made all of us really sound like we know yeah, what we all are very educated around Trent, I can promise you. He, he can fix anything. Uh, but I'm I, talking about outside of punctuation. Oh, I get yeah. it. So now, Trent, Trent, now the gas price is up, he's learned – if he needs a picture of Charlie Roundtree for Biff's magazine, he'll call me instead of making the two and a half hour drive down, which I appreciate. No, you know, the business. And he's funny to listen to. He's Australian. He's a hey mate. I love talking to him. I love doing. So. Yeah, yeah. He's some kind of fun. And if you get him a little bit on some red wine, you can get some good stuff out of him. He. Yeah, I don't want to talk about politics, but Trent's on the other side of me when it comes to politics. Okay. And everybody can figure out what you want to go from there. So we've had some very cool, honest, yeah. neat debates about. Life. society yeah. and politics and people getting better and, and what goes on. And I think it's made 
it's made me a better person for understanding his point of view and you know not arguing about it or going man you're stupid for that or you right, know he'll right. say the same thing back he's that kind of person i mean yeah. it's beyond some of the things that he does he, he he'll challenge you he'll make you work your mind and he's successful in his own right he's got you know three children of his own and yep. two that are stepkids and they're all successful and they got a business yep they have a, yep. they have a business and he's got 10 of them so i mean right. it's just amazing i don't know how fast he types but it's a lot faster than me <laughs> when i when i hired my part-time employee he goes where'd you get her i was like it's a one-off deal man i don't have a source because trent and i are the same type thing and you are a one-man thing you run yourself there's only so much time you have to work so all right, I've taken no, up. You're good. I've hijacked this thing. Well, thank you for allowing me to tell my little bit of a story. I'm very well, blessed. I couldn't have done this on my own. I've, it's been because of people in golf, and I feel like golf has given me just one of the coolest careers and opportunities that I don't necessarily deserve. But he, I, I've gotten it, and I've taken it, and I've enjoyed it, and love the things that we've done. I mean, yeah. it's been a cool – I don't even know when I started 10, 12 years ago. I mean, I made the point system, so that makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, half that's for you. Back in the day. But, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, sitting in that room and learning from people that are a lot smarter than me, um, older than most you and I, and I think that's one of the blessings that I've been fortunate enough is Chip's older, David's older, all the people in the boardroom have been been older. The, the you know the Doug, Doug Smiths, the Charlie Roundtrees, the Ron Swensons, you know, on and on and on. Kent Hungerpillar, I mean, yeah. one of my favorite people, unfortunately yep. passed away. Um, just so many really cool people that if you just sit in that room and listen, you can't help but get a little bit smarter. Well, I think I think the whole thing about it is, and Jeff, you've been with us for a long time, and thank you for your service and everything you've done for for the golf industry. When we talk a lot on here, we don't talk a whole lot just about SCGA. We talk about the golf industry and the people, the characters, the uh, you know the places that we get to experience in the in this golf industry, especially here in South Carolina, particularly, uh, is is really is, is incredible, and it's, it's great to be a part of, and it's, it's great to have you leading us this past year and leading us through 2023 and our junior program where it's gone and what it's been doing for the last few years under under Chris. Obviously, did a great job getting us where we are. Justin's taking us to a whole nother level. Uh, Chris Miller will tell you that, and um, we 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 are. We are looked upon as from the nation to our junior golf program and what they do. So, and Alan, you were a part of that a long time too. So, um, we're, we're excited. I mean, what, what's happening with golf, the industry in South Carolina is is beyond expected and and, and it, unbelievable. But we've gotten to that point now. Well, you're a huge, huge part of that. I mean, it was really fun giving you the opportunity five or six years ago when those guys said, you know, Hap's going to retire and we've got to find a replacement. And, you know, it wasn't necesarily just a foregone conclusion that it was going to be you. You earned it. Right. Um, right. And, and those were fun conversations to have. And you stepped up to the plate and said, you know, not only do I want this, you know, I, I'm going to show you all what a great job I'm going to do. And you've been great. You know, our last board meeting last year at our retreat, you brought in the history and went over the – revisionist history of everything that we've we've gone through from 1929 to where we are you showed me this last weekend at the hall of fame the book that you found in the safe mr causey's name on there and uh, notes from november 29th 1929 the the minutes alan is lying legit real deal it's it's in such good shape it's it's ridiculous i tell him he needs to get it reproduced so we can actually see it because you don't want to touch that with the oil on your hands yeah but um Man, I'm proud of you. You know, you were, were you're a few years younger than me. I, I assume I'm 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 52. Uh, you got me by three. Okay, so well, you got a big birthday coming up. Then congratulations. <laughs> but can't be prouder of the young. You know, because like I said, I was 
introduced all this by older people, and that just seems to be the theme of golf. You know, there's somebody older always helping you. You don't have too many, but you see where older people have led led you into an area that now you can contribute. You talk about the Bob Bells and the things that they've done. Well, I look back and I was like, again, Bob retired. So it's been kind of a shock in our industry seven or eight years ago, and everybody looks and goes, you know, you're next. You you need to figure out how to do those things. And the SCGA has given me that opportunity to step outside of my industry and support Justin and you and watch you all do just a fabulous, fabulous job and how you mingle with people and how you do business. And, you know, you and I have some funny conversations on finances and stuff like that. I was like, Biff, get excited about it. I was like, if you're making money, man, let's just move on, okay? We don't <laughs> need to get in the weeds and talk about certain things like that. But, you know, that – it's unbelievable that you took over from, you know, what your dad had built. And I sent him a really cool text the other night after we came back. You know, he missed his first Hall of Fame in 29, 30 years. Yep. And um, he is golf. Yeah. I mean, it, it – Charlie might have been the thing that helped me really realize that. You know, Charlie was beyond good to me from day one. Um, took me under his wing and put a whole lot of thoughts back here. You talk about another man behind oh, the yeah. curtain. Yeah, yeah, he's the other one. Yep. Um, but he can make monkeys fly too, so don't let that <laughs> scare you. Um, those guys have been very instrumental in giving us the opportunity to now be leaders and to right. help the next generation. And you speak of Justin. I mean, he started that uh, player series a year and a half ago. It's off the chain. Now I get phone calls all the time from 12 to 15-year-olds that are – playing competitive golf and you know because they can't make the eight majors and um it's incredible but sitting in that room and listening to others the rob reeves you know he's been running a daggone golf tournament for almost 30 years 25 years years back to the community and he did that so his kids would have a competitive place to play and now all of a sudden it's one of the preeminent golf tournaments in our state it's it's just incredible so thank you all for the opportunity to include me and my profession and our industry peers because yep. I think that they're incredible. I'd take a superintendent over anybody in the business all day long, and these guys can do good. anything that they're asked to they're do. They're good people. Um, some of them are actually pretty good cooks. I mean, you take the Dean Beatenball, I mean, yep. dollar for dollar, might be yeah. the best superintendent in town. <laughs> Grow grass, do it for a heck of a deal, and cook you some lunch. I mean, he, he's yeah, impressive. His chicken bog is unreal. Yeah. So. Oh, he's a legend. Down to Pondo. I've yeah. done this to Clem. I did it to Steve Bear. I'm going to do it to you. Thank you for being a good friend and such a – and Biff, too. Uh, did him, but a big influence in my life and my career. So, thank you. It's easy, man. You show up every day and want to do it, just like you. I mean, you, you've got a staff of 11 here, and you lead them to greater things. And I've watched so many people come through here as interns and have opportunities to, to, to learn. And, you know, the commonality, the common denominator is golf. Yep. But leadership opportunities, and so many of them don't stay in golf. I started thinking about that, about how many kids that have come to work for me. I've had two that are doctors that I know of. Yeah. One of them, this is a – Pretty cool story, and I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up here. But um, I'm in the doctor's office one day, and this young blonde-haired kid comes walking up in the hallway. He goes, hey, Mr. Connell, how you doing? I'm good, sir. How you doing? He goes, you don't remember me, do you? And I go, man, I don't. I apologize. He goes, my name's Billy Grimes. I, go, I worked for you when I was 16 years old. He's my doctor now. Wow. I mean, wow. he dated Clem's daughter. That's crazy. A- absolutely crazy. So you don't know <laughs> – we don't necessarily want to push them into golf because it is a, it's a tough industry. It's a tough career. You, well, you give up a lot right. of sacrifices. Let's talk about Elliot Pope real quick. Elliot Pope's a great young man, came through the junior golf program and got signed to play golf at Western Kentucky. And Elliot wanted to be a golf course architect. 
and you Still and does. he does. And and I saw Elliot last week, and he's going to go to Maidstone and do an internship. I mean, he's going places. But you and Tom Mason both did the old classic: don't get in the golf business. Oh yeah, I wore them out all of them. I've worn my son out. I've worn him out. You know, why do we do that though? Well, there's a lot of things out there in life that are hard, and there's a lot of great rewarding careers out there. Yeah, but golf eats up the career, eats up so much of your time, and you see it to the point where. I mean, it can destroy a family. I mean, it yeah. is just really hard to make all those things work. It's a 24-7, seven-day-a-week deal. Right. You know, it's just part of the game. You've got to be able to learn how to turn that switch off when it's your day off. And yeah. then there really is no day off. I mean, no. some guys will tell you that. But you got to learn how to delegate and make all that happen. Another good story, Travis Campbell. Yes. Played I'm... junior golf, probably three years older than Chaney, two years older than Elliot, somewhere right in there. Um, shows up at Tom's range one day. Hey, Mr. Tom, can I hit some balls? Sure, Travis. Hey, can I help pick up balls? Sure, Travis. He goes up to Carmel Country Club. Yep. Gets an internship. Wrapping up he at Rutgers. He played golf in college for a year, but he's going to Rutgers. Yeah. Finished his degree in college. He just got the job over at um, Old Barnwell. Did he he's get it? Assistant oh, wow. superintendent. So here's, here's the thing. I've been trying to recruit him to Columbia Country Club, work for Sam. And then Alex Tobert's fighting for him at Orangeburg. And good. He had all kinds of opportunities because he shows up and works hard every day. You know, his mom was a, worked for the Department of Corrections. Okay. So he, he got a pretty good example on what it takes to get up yep. every day and work hard. Yep. So I would be real remiss to, to not thank my wife and kids yeah. for all the support all the years. I mean, getting up early in the mornings, missing things, doing things um, without them because of golf, broken pipes, or things that just have to be done. My wife is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I couldn't have pick better um of course i outkick my coverage everybody loves to say that and i'm fine with that but you know in her heart and the things that she does for our family is, is just absolutely incredible and then my kids they're a ton of fun to be around and they're very supportive of, of what goes on let's so say their names my cheney aiden and grayson so i have michelle is my wife uh cheney is our oldest child aiden is our middle child he'll be 16 and then we have Grayson, who's a nine-year-old. So we have them 10 years apart. There you go. Great plan, honey. We did a great job with all that. I'm so proud of the way that you drew all that up. I we, know how we, you like to plan. We, we plan yeah, we're planners, yeah. But, um, no, it's, it's, it's been great. They get it. They enjoy um, the golf industry. They enjoy riding around the golf course, yeah. driving golf carts. I mean, Grayson will come to work with me, and we've got a big compound area at Fort Jackson that's behind a fence. They can drive golf carts. Like, yeah, in the compound. Right, right. Yeah, right. Because I've, I've been popped a couple times on not doing the right thing. And somebody says, well, what's that kid doing on that cart? It's like, I don't know, man. We got, we got to move on. So, son, you can't come out from behind the fence. So he gets right. to stay in the dog kennel and drive the golf uh, They're good kids. I, I love hanging out with your kids. And Aiden, I've, I've known Chaney since he was born. And I've known him all since he was born. But Aiden, I've got to work with a little bit here in this last year. And I'll come out to farm and, and yep. let me use some tools. And he's a great kid. Great I love kid. your kids coming out to the farm. We we got some land up in Fairfield County, and Alan will bring his kids out. And they'll look at that motorcycle. Dad, I want to ride that thing. And they're kind of intimidated on it. And got him at least sitting on it one day, so yeah. I got a picture and I sent that <laughs> over to Miller. And uh, Miller got a big kick out of that. But yeah. kids, man, they're just they're great. I mean, you never know what you're going to get, and if you invest in them, I mean, it just it yeah. pays dividends at the end of the day. And, we're fortunate enough to be able to do it with the game of golf. Yep. Well, Biff, I've stolen this whole interview. Anything you want to say? <laughs> no, it's, it's great. Listen, I've enjoyed listening to it. And I, uh, no, y'all, uh, Jeff, again, thank you for taking the time to come over here. Thank you for everything you give to golf, to to the Superintendents Association, to the South Carolina Golf Association. We, we, uh, we're, we're better off with, with you and being part of it. So thank you for your time. It's easy. Thank you all for including me. It's, uh, it's pretty special. Thank you.